Previously on Funny Science Fiction. course of about a two-minute conversation, I ended up introducing him to my wife. And then halfway through the conversation, introduced him to my wife again. <laughs> Hello, this is Michael Bell. And welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast where if the medications ever wear off, we'll eventually realize we are not a group of space smugglers with a Wookiee. We're just a couple of dudes with dogs. So our guest today is a longtime voice actor and a longtime on-screen actor who's appeared in many of the shows and voiced many of the characters that we've loved over the years. You've seen him on shows such as Three's Company, MASH, Get Smart, Star Trek, whether it was Next Generation or Deep Space Nine. His voice and credits include Duke from G.I. Joe, Lance from Voltron, Prowl and Scrapper from Transformers, Zan and Gleek from Super Friends, and General Dodonna from Star Wars Rebels. Now, that's just naming a few things. And literally, we could sit here all afternoon and go through each of the 394 acting credits that this man has on IMDb. We are, of course, talking about Michael Bell, and it's our privilege to welcome Michael to our, to the show. Hey, y'all. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Listen, this is a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, very excited. So, first things first, before we get to any of the questions, I, I want to. We kind of. I kind of said this a little bit uh, before we started recording anything, but I want to say thank you for your work over the years. Um, I had no idea the number of shows that you were involved <laughs> with that shaped and, and were part of my childhood, and so um, that things that I watched as a child. <clears throat> And from what I'm told by my wife uh, as a man child. Um, so before we start any of these questions, I honestly just want to say thank you for all the work you've done over the years. You have made my life that much more enjoyable. Okay, oh, that's great. I, I hate to take it away from your wife, but sure, great. <laughs> and you know, it says a lot about a voice actor when you look through your your credits and you're like, oh, that was that was him. How did he do that voice? You are an incredibly talented man. I <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Thank you, Kathleen. Yeah. All right. So, second things seconded. <laughs> For all the shows that you've been a part of, one of the things that amuses me, for whatever reason, that you worked on GoBots and Transformers almost nearly at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was going to school, uh, we picked on the kids who watched GoBots or played with GoBots because apparently they were the not as cool Transformers. Um, so... What was the, did, did the guys at Transformers, your co-stars, give you any kind of hassle for working on trans on Transformers and GoBots at the same time? And if so, what were the gang fights like? Were they like real fights or were they like Jets and Sharks dance fights? Well, we, we sort of like a ballet. Uh, <laughs> nobody, we didn't even know, you know, we, we went from job to job. We were literally uh, like someone hit us with a, a, a gold two by four. Uh, we were thrilled. We, you know, I did GoBots, I did Transformers, and I went back to did something else, and I went out to do Inhumanoids, and then I went back. I didn't. I was coming or going. I said they had to. They had to play the voice match for me. Was who was I doing on the show? You did that. Oh, that's right. That's that giant, giant piece of uh, of uh, mucus. That's that's what I was doing on that show. Okay, now what was I doing? So yeah, that's. Uh, we nobody we, we never even questioned that and the, that's funny when you said that the kids who weren't cool did were the ones who I wonder if the, uh, there's therapy for those kids. It's like go therapy when I was a kid. I got beat up because I was a 
Gobots. <laughs> yeah, you know the thing is, I remember watching Gobots as a kid. But you know, and, I, and some of the kids would bring the like the Gobots toys to school. Yeah, and you know, I thought <laughs> I didn't mind the Gobots, but you know, when you're in, you know, you're a young kid and going to school, you don't want to go play with the kids who are playing with the uncool toys. You know, so I'd always bring my my transformer toys over and play with the Transformers guys because you couldn't mix the two. You couldn't have GoBots playing with Transformers because they were separate universes. And you know, oh my god, that is so that wouldn't even have occurred to me. And I did something not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, as a Transformer. It was a kids show. Uh, I played one of my old characters on it. I can't remember the show. Terrible. But they were also, and I think um, um, Frank wasn't on it, but Peter was on it. Peter was had played one of the roles in it. Okay. I forgot the name of it, but it was for kids, basically. It was a morning show for kids, and they called me in to do my old voice, like you know, one of the deep voices. <laughs> oh, was that uh, the Transformers Rescue thing? Yeah, it was. Tr it was a rescue. Yeah, Rescue Bots or something. Rescue Bots. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Kids that watch that now are getting beat up on a daily. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Just, just you know, the the nineteen eighties GoBots kids, you know. <laughs> we all just kind of sit in the corner and 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 rock back and forth. We'll be okay. A couple cups of coffee later, we'll be fine. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> so, looking at all of your credits, as Tim talked about, you were the voice, one of the big voices of his childhood, and in my childhood, you had. The wonderful characters of Drew Pickles, the father of Angelica, and uncle to Tommy and Dill, and Chaz Finster, the father of Chucky on Rugrats. Mm -hmm. Doing multiple voices in that show, do you have any fun stories from those years, from the Rugrats years? You know, we were in studio, so it was kind of difficult to say they were fun stories. We, we just had a great time doing it. I just recall when they did the movie, I think, I remember it was Rugrats in Paris, or one of the Rugrats movies, they brought in Bruce Willis to do the voice of Spike. And I was also the voice of Spike in this series. Mm -hmm. And when they interviewed us, they had these interviews with the big superstars and whatever, and they said, so you're working with Bruce Willis. And how was that? Was that exciting? I said, well, I didn't get to work with Bruce, but I really don't care. I don't know why they use Bruce Willis. I was the voice of Spike. Why did they need a superstar to do the voice of Spike? Well, that didn't make it into the papers. <laughs> there was no way they're going to say someone didn't care. Someone didn't give a damn that it was Bruce Willis. And I was so much opposed to celebrities doing our show anyway. So, uh, <laughs> as far as the fun thing goes, we went to the premiere of uh, Raman's Chinese Theater for the first Rugrats movie, which was unusual because it was an animated movie. And a lot of big stars joined. They, they got a lot of big celebrities who brought their kids. That was the big thing for the celebrities. And Jack Riley, the late Jack Riley, was wonderful. And I were walking down the aisle, and, and all these people began to yell, Jack, Jack! The crowd was yelling, Jack! And Jack got all excited. And he just preened, and he turned around. And they were talking to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at Jack, and Jack looked at me, and I went, I mean, nobody knows who we are, Jack. These people don't know who we are. I mean, they just, you know, and I remember thinking that when I watched cartoons with the great Mel Blanc, I didn't know there was a human body. Mm -hmm. I saw Bambi. I didn't know that there was a kid doing the voice of Bambi when I was watching Bambi. When I watched Faylene get killed, 
the mother, Bambi's mother, and I broke into tears with several hundred other kids in the theater. <laughs> we thought that that was a deer that got killed, that his mother got killed. I mean, you don't associate with that. The kids today do, I'm quite sure. I mean, they're much more hip than we <laughs> Very, very simple. Very simple. But it is true that you don't you don't know the person behind the voice. You hear the voice, you see the animation. You you're not gonna recognize a, a voice actor on the street until they're interviewed and then you're like oh that person is all of these voices and it's yeah. it, it, happens, it happens when i go through the airport because i wear my smurfs jacket i'm going oh, to yeah. go to conventions and they, everybody i mean because these are people who are old enough to have seen the smurfs and they just get so excited why are you wearing that and i'll explain what characters are in oh my god and i always so all the people at the uh, airport, all the people that work there, I always get a picture and I sign an autograph to Because that way in case anybody needs to be saved first, they'll save me. See, I'd be that way if you if I saw you walking through with like a Transformers or Voltron jacket. Yeah, I don't have one. They didn't they either was so cheap. Oh god, but it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers jacket with our characters on it. Oh, goodness. They should have given us a Voltron jacket. They didn't. They didn't give us two fig Newtons, even a chiclet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, after talking about how you were bouncing from show to show, job to job, what were some things that you would do to relax in between your jobs? I would drink heavily. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yay, bourbon. All right, good job. No tequila. Tequila. Oh, there you go. I can't drink it anymore because I'm on the paleo diet and I love to drink alcohol. So. But the point it's is, dangerous. we uh, relaxing wasn't even a thought. When the weekend came around, I was, and I think most of them were jazzed to go back to work. We were so thrilled to be working at that level. I mean, it got to the point that I, when the career took off to such a degree that it did after sort of a slow run, even through my days as a, as a contract player at Universal Studios, I, I always wanted to work. I, I loathed the weekend, loathed it because I just needed to work. And I think most of, most of us felt the same way. So it wasn't even a matter of relaxing. It's, we were always up. I think all of us were on, I guess is the term. All of us were on all the time. It was uh, difficult for our for our wives, husbands, I'm sure. <laughs> you can imagine, and that's not something that you hear about as much anymore. You don't you don't have people who are like, no, I want to work. I want to to go and do. I'm not. I mean, so many people live for the weekend. They don't they don't enjoy what they do. It means. It shows how much the work meant to you that you wanted to keep doing it, that you wanted to keep working. Oh yeah, I when I my daughter's young and she has a, we get magazines. My wife goes for the magazines and we see the superstars that that you know relaxing in Belize, they're relaxing in somewhere in the, some remote uh, forest or wherever it is, a great hotel and lounging and having a wonderful time. I think I, I've never done that. Never cared about that. I think what I think the one thing I wanted to do is to see Europe. So I just took a brief couple of weeks and went to Europe just to see the in Europe because I was right in the middle of busy working. And I came back and I I don't think I vacationed since then. Wow. That says a lot about your work ethic. <laughs> oh yeah. I love working. Now I nap a lot. Okay. 
You know, napping is fantastic, though. Yeah. I wish I could convince my daughter that napping is fantastic, but I, how old is your daughter? She'll be three next month. Oh yeah, they don't. There's so much energy. There's so much. It's like they're on sugar all the time. Yeah, she is full speed yeah. until she is no speed. Absolutely, <laughs> run into a wall and then you suddenly sink and fall on the floor. It's really funny. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> she is like that wind-up rabbit. <laughs> yep. Yep, she wakes up first thing in the morning with the hi. It's like, oh boy, kid, I coffee. And wakes you up. If you were to take a nap, Ashley was a kid, and I and I thought, well, I'm gonna take a nap now, and I take a nap, and she came up, Daddy. And then, what? what did you? Oh, she woke and she go, Daddy, and open oh, my yeah. eyes. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, and I don't need you to pry my eyes open. Thank you very much. <laughs> Trying to do that to her now. Oh, of, course. of course. Payback. There you know. <laughs> so I grew up watching uh, a lot of MASH and mm -hmm. Three's Company and even some Get Smart. And I didn't realize at the time that you were in, that you had done some work on each of those shows and that you were involved with those things, of course. Um, but eventually you made the transition into doing voiceover while still doing some on-camera on work. So how did that transition come about, and what was it about voiceover work that drew you to it? Well, here's a kind of a classic example. I was At that time, I was dating a very famous uh, voiceover lady named Joni Gerber. She was just the, one of the best in the business. And she said, Mike, you do all these wonderful voices, all these different characters, which you'll never play on screen. You know you won't. You're not going to play the hero. You're not going to really play the real big star-studded heavy because they'll get the big superstars for that. That's not going to happen to you. And that's what you want to do. So why don't you do it in terms of your voiceovers? So she talked me into putting together a tape and brought it to her agent. He said, yeah, I think he's got something. And, and then uh, she brought me to a, um, a session with uh, Mel Blanc. Does everybody know who Mel Blanc is? I know the name. Oh my God! <laughs> Anybody else know who Mel Blanc is? Um. Okay, Bugs Bunny. He's oh, the, okay, yep. The voice of Looney Tunes, basically. Voice of movie tunes. I mean, the voice before Animaniacs, who did all the voices before they needed twelve people to do the many voices that he did. So they brought me in, and uh, and Mel's son Noel said, "Yeah, go on with Dad," because he loved Joni, and said, "You know, let's see, you know, what Mike can do." And I played this young kid voice against Mel Blanc and it was so exciting to be able to get behind and do that and then um, Noel said to Mel dad I need you to play the East Indian I need an East Indian character for this this is uh, he's a rug seller and like you're going to be the guy who buys the rug I said okay fine and Mel launched into it and it was not East Indian he said dad that's not East Indian that's American Indian I need East Indian and then he started again he said no no dad that's American Indian I need an East Indian and I'm thinking Oh my God, Mel's going to get angry because now he's going to be embarrassed in front of me that he's not, the great Mel Blank is not doing a voice in front of this fuck kid. And so Noel turns and says, Mike, do you do East Indian? And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, do you? I said, yeah. And he said, okay, Dad, do you mind? Do you want to get, and he said, yeah, sure, man, Mike. So I did the East Indian and Mel played the guy who was buying the rugs. And I thought, I mean, it was a job. My first job I took from Mel Blank. <laughs> I think that's a good sign. And no, no one used me after that. And then Mel and I eventually wound up doing uh, 
speed buggy to get it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. Which, Kathleen, you see, if you, if you don't know who Mel Blanc is, you've got to watch, and, and your kid will love it, a couple of segments of speed buggy. Oh, definitely. It's great fun. He plays a car. He does a car, a very famous car. He does a car that makes all those... <laughs> great noise. Kid will love it. Just oh, definitely. She loves Looney Tunes, so I am sure she it is right it. up her alley. The Hanna Barbera thing, I think she'd love it. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. definitely. We are big definitely. into the classic cartoons. That's a great story. There's not many people out there that can say that they took a, a, a voice line from Mel Blank and did it better. <laughs> so, wasn't I did it better? It's just that he just, it's one of the few, probably the one thing he didn't do. I mean, he <laughs> sang, he did all these wonderful characters, and he was a wonderful, he was a wonderful actor. And he did all these great voices that, you know, he deserves, he deserves a SAG award, an Academy Award, post whatever award, but I haven't seen fit to do that. But in the meantime, I was just so fortunate that I was there at the right time, the right place. And I said, you don't mind? No. He had um, on his license plate, he had uh, KMIT. And I said, no, what is, what is KMIT? Is that a station you work for that was important in your life? He says, no, no, but you can mean kiss me in Tuchus, which means kiss my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh That's my great. So to be a voice actor, it would take a, a large amount of imagination. And what were some of the influences that influenced you to grow that imagination to be able to have this broad variety of voices? You know, I'm never sure where that comes from. Uh, it probably comes from watching movies of my era where they had, where they had actors that came from Broadway or vaudeville that had qualities to their voices that had, uh, um, I guess, texture or strange phrasing, uh, like uh, Ed Wynn would be one and we'd all go, okay, let's, we would go to that. Or let's say, even if it was somebody like Jack Palance or, Boris Karloff or Peter Laurie, they sounded a certain way. There's not that many actors today that sound like that, except maybe the Queen of England. You know, but there, there was there are certain qualities, certain strangeness to the voice. It was a wonderful thing. So we we picked up on that. All of us, Frank, myself, uh, Greg Berger, all the guys. I mean, and the ladies, uh, uh, Gray Delisle, and my friend, as I said, Joni Gerber, who's now passed. Um, they all have adapted and learned those those voices. Even my friend, the late Lucy Taylor, who studied with me, because I taught voice animation, who did Daisy Duck and all those characters, wound up lowering her voice when she trained with me and did, but she, I said, here's what you do. You use these actors as a template. If you were gonna doing a, 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 a dowdy woman, a dowdy old lady, and she's English, look at a Margaret Rutherford film. Because Margaret Rutherford sounds like this, and she's got a large slug draw, and she talks like this. She said, hello, dear. Such a pleasure to meet you. And she went, oh, okay, good. I said, that'll get you down here. Get and then Tallulah Bankhead, go watch Die, Die, My Darling, which is a wonderful old film, A Lifeboat. And Tallulah Bankhead spoke like this. I said, and that'll get you down there. And that's what we did. And that's what they all do. That's what all the, I think, most of the good actors that just are not playing heroes. Heroes are ours. That's our voice. Yeah, you're okay, fine. But the rest, things that you develop, you just do it over time. That's cool. I wish I could do all those voices. 
third wish. <clears throat> free little master, free. <laughs> <laughs> so as we've been talking about your career and doing both on camera and voice over, do you prefer one over the other or are they both enjoyable? I mean, they're both gotta be enjoyable. But. Enjoyable. I, you know, I, I was doing the FBI at one point with the Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was on a contract Universal at the time. And was, at the time I was doing all the uni shows, it was guest starring all the uni shows. And I was running in the back as usual, chasing some criminals. You know, when I wasn't the criminal, I was chasing criminals and I was running in, and, and had my weapon out that, you know, from the prop guy gave me. And the director went, a cut, uh, Mike, what are you doing? I said, what? And he said, what are you doing? I said, I got my weapon out. And I, he said, okay, that's your right hand. Where's your left hand? And I said, I, looked, I suddenly felt I didn't move. And I said, oh, it's, it's on my head. He said, why? Because the wind is blowing and, and I don't have as much hair as I'd like to have. was blowing it up he said don't do that I went, oh okay I thought, okay it's time for me to get out of this unless i can get a comedy indoors where somebody comes and goes okay Mr. Bell, let me fix that and do this and great i'll be fine i don't want to do outdoor anymore unless it's a western and i never take my hat off <laughs> <laughs> you know finally and finally i think one day i was doing a scene with uh, i think it was uh ironsides and I got shot or something, and I rolled down the hill, and they went, cut, and I stood up, and they had not cleaned the hill outdoors, and I had chihuahua all over my head. Oh, no. Got back indoors and continued my voiceover. So slowly but surely, as I was guesting on a show, I'd get a call from the agency. They want you here. Can you get down here? This is a great campaign. You're doing this. And I'd say to the district. Can I get out early? No. Yeah, but I, I have nothing to do. In, I'm, I, I'm at the very end of the show. You're still working with this beautiful schmuck. Can you just get me out? No. no. I thought, okay, I'm losing money. I'm not doing anything that's really important. It's just the same role after, you know, me doing the same thing over and over again. So, so yeah. All right. So I have to ask you a question because on our our group here out uh, of the three of us i am the resident star wars fanboy i am a huge star wars fan and yeah. i have to ask you about your work uh on star wars rebels which i know was only a couple episodes as general dodonna but dodonna has a major role in the early rebellion so uh, at the risk of fanboying which i probably is a little too uh a little too, you know, too late a little too much or too little too little too late whatever you want to say at this point um, I, I'm wondering, uh, for you, was this just another job or were you a Star Wars fan as well and excited to be part of the universe? It's okay if you say no, I'll still think you're cool. Okay. I was already a Star Wars part of the universe because I did the movie, the original movie. You what did I miss? Okay, see, I, I finally gave you something that you didn't that you didn't know. Star Wars fanboy didn't know. Yes, I, I am. Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> Go look in your credits. It's not in your credits. It's just that everybody knows it. I was the voice of Commander Willard. He says to Princess Leia, "Leia, thank 
goodness, you're back. We were so worried about you, blah, blah, blah. I got a call from my agent saying, they're doing a film called Star Wars, and, and Lucas wants you to come in and dub a bunch of the characters. I said, oh, okay. I didn't know who Lucas was. And I said, sure. It was work. It was a job. So I went into the studio and met uh, Lucas. And uh, uh, George said, um, this, I'll show you the, the, the daily. So he showed me a daily of this young blonde kid and this other guy fighting with flashlights. And I thought, what oh, kind of movie is this? This thing of flashlights. <laughs> I don't know. They're, 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 they're really look great. I said, there's nothing happening. And then I sh it showed me uh, a character sitting around a round table with this tall guy with a black mask. And he said, that's Darth Vader. And I said, yeah, and he said, that's the voice of... James L. Jones. I said, oh, great, wonderful, wonderful voice. But there's a guy in there whose voice I want you to dub. And I said, okay. And the guy says to him, he questions Darth Vader. And I said, okay. And then I did it. Then he said, he plays it back. He said, that's good. I said, wait, George, why am I replacing him? He's really good. And he said, yes, he's English. And I said, yeah, but so far, everybody's British. I have not heard an American except for the blonde kid and the other guy. Except for the blonde kid. <laughs> that's all. That's, so, that's the only two Americans that I've heard so far. You have Alec Guinness. You've got, and of course, certainly James Earl Jones. Who cares? What he is? He's brilliant. So we don't mm -hmm. care. But everybody's British. Says, yeah, well, I filmed, I filmed it in England. I said, oh, there you go. I said, so, but leave him in. Don't put my voice in there. Leave him in. I don't want to talk myself out of a job, but leave him in. He said, you really think so? And I said, yeah. I'm telling George Lucas. I'm directing George Lucas. <laughs> okay, good. I'll leave him in. I said, great. He's now here's this other guy. Well, I have to do somebody. So he shows me this older gentleman, and I said, sure. So I did his voice, which was I found out later on Commander Willie. And he said, now we got all these guys in spaceships that are going to be getting killed. They work for the Federation. And I see people going, oh, I've been hit. Oh, and I'm, you know, to the third, fourth. Six sector to the federation, and then they're coming out. Oh, ah, ah, and all that stuff. So I did a whole bunch of those voices, and I left. And it was the end of the day. I went home, and a couple of years later, friends of mine said, "We're going to go to Grauman's Chinese. We're going to go see Star Wars." I said, "No, count me in. I'm not interested. It, doesn't, it, looks like, it looks like a bomb. Because I really know things, don't I? I really can tell when something's a bomb. I mean, I really, I can predict the future." I stood online with all these people, and we all, I was young, we all stood around, and, okay, we'll have a good time. Went in, and the movie started, and I was as swept up as everybody else, <laughs> up, knocked out, flat on my back, absolutely stunned. I thought it was sensational. They all said to me, so what voice did you do? And I said, who remembers? I have no idea. I wasn't even looking for it, which actors always do. Oh, that's me. I, did, I got so caught up in the fabulous film. Years later, years later, I think it must be maybe five years ago, six years ago, I'm going to a party for Michael, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson aboard a boat. Mm -hmm. get off, Mark is getting off, Mark Hamill's getting off with his wife, and I'm getting off with my wife, Victoria, walking alongside each other. And as we're talking, because Mark and I were at the same agency, and I said, Do you know, I, I wonder if you knew that I did Star Wars. And Mark goes, what? I said, I did Star Wars. He said, you weren't in Star Wars. I said, I was. He said, my Star Wars? The first one? I said, no. Yeah, I was. You weren't in Star Wars. I said, I was the voice of Commander Willies. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. So he, so don't feel bad, Tim, because he didn't know either. When the fans began to ask me for autographs and sent me photographs of Commander Willard, somebody who is now dead, 
talking to to Carrie, who's now dead, and asking for my autograph. I'm going, how do you know that? It's not in the credits. It doesn't say Michael Bell, voice of Commander Willard. They just knew. So the next time you watch the film, Tim, watch for that. You, you won't recognize me among all the kids and all the guys screaming and yelling and die for the Federation, but you will recognize my voice for Commander you mean so later this afternoon? Okay, understood. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> and as far as your other question goes, it was great. It was just great working with, with the cast and the director. You know, really, that was super. I, I had to me, it wasn't something new, but it was great that I had a chance to do it. That was really just one, you know, just one more notch for me in, a, in something important. Well, that is cool. I I was completely unaware that you had anything to do with New Hope. I saw your face when you said. <laughs> Aren't you glad to be part of that universe? I would. What? what this I is, have. Been. <laughs> this is my first rodeo, you know. <laughs> no, I. You know, I looked at all your credits, and it. You know, I, I. You know, I try to make sure I. I do my due diligence when it comes to homework on on our guests, and make sure that I under, especially, especially if it's Star Wars related, because. Sure. You know, once I find out that somebody's in Star Wars, I like to find out. Okay, well, what what did they do in Star Wars, and what you know, what were they. You know, I don't care if you were a, a grip on one of the sets. I want to know what you did and, and what your function was and how you, I mean, I always say, and I've said this so many times during the course of our podcast, that Star Wars is, is like, uh, you know, my marriage to me. It's there for me in sickness and health, good times and bad. I watch it all the time. I, I am absolutely enamored with the universe. And so for me, when, I, when we have a, a guest that has anything to do with Star Wars, I get very excited and I I dive into it and I try to figure out what they're doing. And so for you to tell me that you had a role that I didn't know about, I'm like, wait, what? No. <laughs> so I started, yeah. Your face was, your face was, it was so great. You literally could not have acted that. When I said I was supposed to be Nana Willis, Star Wars, you went. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, it was like, you're in another world. It's like someone hits you with a two by four. It's funny. Well, I had to compute it because I'm like, I know who that is, and it looks nothing like you. And so I'm going, no, no, that's that wasn't him. No, okay. So I, that's what I was doing. I was Google searching it, trying to figure it out. But yeah. So, but by the way, if you do go out there, there's a Star Wars wiki page that does credit you with voicing Willard. So, I, yeah, I've never gone out there. I've never looked. I have no idea who found out. Not a clue. I have no idea until I started to get. Uh, fan requests with the photo of, of two lovely people from that movie and I'm going, I'm signing my autograph and I have to say in the bottom as the voice of Commander Willis so don't, people don't think that's me. Right. Well, that's cool. That is so cool. Well, I learned something today. I don't know about you two, but I learned something. I, I got Today education. has been made. You're darn tootin' it has been. That's awesome. <laughs> also did the games. Also did voices on uh, the Lucas. Yeah. Was games, which was standard. Yeah, yeah. Those I saw. Those I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is still getting over it. It's like he's I, I know. He needs a minute to process. <laughs> so I, I, do. I do. I need. I need a minute, but I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Next question. So, so, with all the shows that you have done, and all the voices, what two characters would you like to see come together? and create a show together? Um, wow. You know, I, I don't, 
they they they've joined folks together. I don't know. Um, there's so many things. It's hard to put them together. Maybe the Smurfs coming back, meeting the Snorks, or the Smurfs meeting Rugrats, or uh, anything that involves the Smurfs coming back. I'm good with. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be fun. The Smurfs meeting Rugrats would be kind of fun if they go into Rugrat land. They go into Smurf land or something. That would be kind of fun. Of course, they wouldn't. I wouldn't be in it because they would be hiring major stars and uh, more than likely. Uh, some famous basketball players or something to play the role. <laughs> Clearly, we're, we'd all be looking forward to the Willard Dodonna Power Hour, but you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't think of any other than that. Again, when they redid the Smurfs, they didn't hire me back. When they did uh, redid uh, Rugrats, I wasn't hired back, so I don't expect that uh, they would get me back for any of that stuff. That's sad. Yeah, well, it's business. It, it's it's it it's good business. You know, nothing you can't can you know, sure. So, in your credits, we talked about this a little bit before we started the show. The thing that I was the most excited about was Darkwing Duck, <laughs> and that is why you have Quacker Jack next to you now, which I super appreciate because that is just the greatest. So, I do have a little story I want to share. Yeah, that my mom permanently banned me from watching Darkwing Duck after I told an adult to suck gas evildoer when I was about the age of four. Um, so I have been banned from watching Darkwing Duck since then until three years ago. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> well, no, my mom still says the ban is my, my mom still says the ban's in, in effect, but about three years ago, my husband found the complete series on DVD and bought it to bought it for me much to my mom's disgust. Like, uh uh, he sent her a picture of look what I bought for Kathleen for a present, and it was the no, no, she's not allowed to watch that. And it's like I'm, I can kind of do what I want. I'm just yeah. not allowed to watch it at her house now. Like okay. that's the rule. <laughs> Concessions have been made. Wow. Allowances have been made. But, so what was it like to get to play Quacker Jack? And then you did get to bring him back for the reboot. Or yeah. for the for DuckTales reboot? They weren't sure that I could do that because I was an older guy. They figured my voice wouldn't hit that level. But my voice is always at that level when I'm screening at the dogs and cats. So <laughs> I said, I'm there. Uh, it was great because, uh, you know, they didn't even, you know, we didn't even audition, which is really interesting. Like Ginny McSwain, who directed, had their best people up there. And I'm uh, hopefully I'm including myself in that. They found, could the guy wanted to do it, couldn't do it. And they called me in. Uh, so they had Dan and, and, uh, and uh, Jim, of course, and uh, Michael, and they had all these wonderful people alongside us and Christine Cavanaugh. She just lined us up and said, okay, these are your characters. And it was, it was as, we, as we were seated there. So when she showed me, when she showed me uh, Cracker Jack, I thought, oh, I'm going to do like a Kirk Douglas kind of thing for him. You know, kind of a, a cracky, you know, one of those things. But Dan was character. Dan's character cast on his was before mine. Electro, whatever the hell mm -hmm. that was, he was before me, and he wound up doing that. I went, oh my god! He took that. Oh, what am I going to do? He says, I said, Dad, answer your question before. That's what we do. And I went, okay. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm just going to make him berserk. I'm just going to make him crazy berserk, as berserk as I can. And that's what I did. And, I, and nobody said, oh no, that's wrong. 
they just, Jenny said, yeah, cool, let's go with it. And then he said, and she's also, you Mr. Banana. I went, oh, okay, fine, I'm Mr. Banana. So, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I'm told to do. But that's why I, when I teach, I say you have to have more than one character lined up for a, for a character that you're reading for. Because, especially if you're in a session, because you never know. Somebody may steal it. Not that they mean to, it's just that we all, we all have the same... Um, bag to reach into the same right. that we can be imitating can you do can you do quacker jack's voice <laughs> it's playtime <laughs> i love it oh Kathleen's mother you want to play <laughs> <laughs> uh i think we just found the the preloaded clip for next next yeah. episode <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I I love Darkwing Duck. Quacker Jack we'll is that to Kathleen's mother this afternoon. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be in so much trouble. It'll be okay. <laughs> she lives too much. I'll be safe. That's so funny. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch porno, and you weren't allowed to watch Quacker Jack. What a difference in age. <laughs> you know. So there's that. Parenting changes. <laughs> Uh, well, Michael, we've had a lot of fun talking with you today. This has been an absolute blast and educational uh, along the way, uh, for one of us anyway. Yeah. Um, but we do have a little quiz that we'd like to run run you uh, through. We do this with all of our guests, and yeah. it's, uh, it's a quiz about the roles you have played over the years. We're not going to ask you anything specific about in this scene when you pushed your character pushed up his glasses or took off his hat. What did that mean? Nothing oh. like that. Okay. But the quiz is called Know Your Roles. Okay. So it's a five-question quiz. They're all multiple-choice qu questions, okay? Sure. Um, if you get out of the five questions, if you get three of them correct, we'd like to send you this I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans coffee mug, uh, which is branded for, for our, our podcast on the back. Mm -hmm. And then if you get four questions correct, we'll send you the coffee mug, along with this book, Custodians of the Cosmos, written by our group founder, uh, our Facebook group founder, Trayton Allen, a.k.a. Nick's dad. And uh, what that is is a story about a young man who wanted to join Star Trek's uh, Starfleet Academy, couldn't hack it, he washed out, end up rejoining as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, but we'll send you both of those. And then if you get five questions correct, you get our undying appreciation. I see. So, but, however, if you only get two of the questions correct, We'd like to take a picture of you, put mm -hmm. it on our Facebook group, and make a meme out of you. We call it a fun sequence. Mm -hmm. And underneath it, you write loser? No. Actually, we, uh, with a couple people who have done that, uh, we have not written loser yet. But if you'd like us to, we can. Yeah, I, I lose it because I, I think it's important to have some sort of designation. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, but if you agree to those terms, we can, we can play our quiz game. All right. That's great. All that's right, Nick. Take us out. You're muted, Nick. <laughs> Nick, that was really good. You really knew you're digital. I thought, I was like, boy, this is enjoyably quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Who is in charge of the Joes in G.I. Joe? Is it Hawk, Duke, or Snake Eyes? It was Duke. 
Well, I'll give that to you because depending on how you look at it, there's General Hawk and then there was Duke was running the actual Joes. So kind of a trick question, but two of them, yeah, it was Hawk and Duke, but it was Duke. That's the only one I ever dealt with. So yeah, so day to day would be Duke. Okay, uh, all right, I'll give you that one. All right, number two, GI Joe first aired in what year? 1985, 1982, or 1983? I don't know how. I was only 13 in 1982. Um, 1985. No, apparently it was 1983. September of 1983. Wow. Been around that long, huh? Okay. Yep. All right, so one and one. All right. Scrapper from Transformers was a Build-A-Con, Go-Bot-A-Con, or Constructicon. Constructicon. Very good. Two and one. All right. Scrapper combines with other Constructicons to form A, Intimidator, B, Devastator, or C, Bob the Builder. <laughs> I'd try to go with Devastator. It is Devastator. Correct. All right, so that's three. That's your coffee mug, We just sir. knew it wasn't Bob the Builder. <laughs> I had to say Bob the Builder. We're talking about construction. I was going to go Bob, but I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Gleek is a blue alien monkey from the planet Exor, Effexor, or Elixir. Sounds like it would be Exor. Correct. That's four. Very good. So out of the five questions, sir, you got four. So we're going to send you, of course, the book. If I can get it in frame there. There we go. Custodians of the Cosmos. And the coffee mug for the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Okay. So Consolation uh, prizes for putting up with us for the last hour. Exactly. So, <laughs> And when we're done here, after we say our goodbyes, please don't hang up right away. We want to make sure we get your shipping address. Where we generally want to send you those. Okay. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about your works or what's coming up? Well, uh, I'm at uh, michaelbellvoices.com, I think. I'm not big on websites. I'm sure I have one. Somebody's done one for me. I think it's michaelbell, michaelbellvoices.com. And anybody that wants to study... You know, I, I teach voice animation as well. Anybody that wants to study, I don't have a class running at the present time. I just ended my class. But I do have uh, a class that I teach for free, and it's on YouTube, and it's it's called Michael Bell Voice Animation Seminar. And I teach five very talented young kids who are, uh, a couple of them now are groundlings, which, are, which is a big improv group. And I'm teaching them how to do voices, and it's a, take about an hour. And you can zero in, and it's for free. And uh, that's kind of a great place to go. Awesome. And if, and if your fans, any of your fans are into, and as you know, I'm into wildlife rescue and animal rescue. It's my big love. Anybody is interested, I'd love them to tune into my daughter's film called Love and Bananas. It's a documentary about saving an elephant in Thailand. Oh. Rescuing it and taking it to a sanctuary. Uh, from a trekking camp, which was horrendous, and it's just a beautiful film. Got all kinds of awards. It was in contention for an Academy Award, and she produced and directed it. It's called Love and Bananas. We will absolutely include that 
Definitely. Yeah. So we will make sure that we put all of those in our show description. And I will definitely be looking up Love and Bananas because I yes. love elephants. You will, you will love this. It's a couple of moments, a little hard, and then you get, she gets past it. She has to tell you what the problem is. And then okay. learn about the importance of elephants to the environment and why we need them. It's really a beautiful film. It's very well done. And you will laugh and you will cry and you will laugh again. Believe me, I've been in an audience, packed audiences, people just standing and applauding. It was just great. Oh, Excellent. Sounds wonderful. I, I will definitely be checking that out. I mean, right after I, I go find you in Star Wars, but I will definitely be checking that out. Out love and bananas. <laughs> that sounds really good. Thank you for your. You in Star Wars. That's right. <laughs> He's going to find it. If Tim I, didn't know, it's not. It didn't happen. Well, that's getting to be less and less of a thing as I get older. I'm like, <laughs> you've so. been listening to your teenager too much. Well, that's probably true as well. But okay, so guys, uh, we've had a really nice time here with Michael today. Uh, we we've enjoyed him so much. We want to remind you though that in order to get more great guests like Michael Bell and have the laughs that we were able to have today. Uh, it's important that you guys subscribe. Hit that subscribe and like button so you guys don't miss out anything coming up in the future. And we get to keep providing you with funny moments for you guys to listen to. And, and of course, getting educated. I mean, do it for Tim's education. Help Tim help you. <laughs> so please subscribe. It's going to help more than we'll ever really be able to tell you. And of course, go out and check out Michael Bell's work. There is some really cool stuff and some stuff we don't even know about, apparently. So that's always good to find out about. Now, if you're not happy with the content of today's video, it happens from time to time, and we're always sorry that it does. All you have to do is submit in single form, of course, to the Decepticons, Scrapper in particular. Scrapper just so happens to be the head of our complaint department. Not only will he acknowledge your puny human complaint, but he's only really going to do it if you begin and all end all of your sentences with the phrase, Hail Megatron. And even at that, he's really only going to do something about it if it seems to be self-serving enough to help his standing with Megatron, whom he proudly serves. So be patient and kiss up to Megatron. <laughs> well, thanks again, Michael. We truly appreciated having you today. It was cool, guys. Thank you. Thanks for, for asking me. This was fun. Thank you. We appreciate your time. This has been a blast. Goodbye, everyone, and thanks for watching. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, that supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 94. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and chooses to fight alongside Team Voltron, he will be able to know that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his blaster. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. information about level up lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below on behalf of the rest of the hosts of funny science fiction we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode if you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes please contact us by means of our facebook group funny science fiction 
You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at funny sci-fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.